Wow, 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 wow. What a great job the team did in such a short time. Amen with the video. And I didn't know look to the horizon. But the first service was all about look forward. Look towards your future with clean eyes. With open eyes. Eyes washed. Whatever has been in your past, whatever was not good, which might be even question marks today between you and God or whomever, God wants to take them out so that you, you're not, it's like sometimes our past is so strong still in us that we're driving a car looking all the time in the rearview mirror. God says, no, my child, look forward with, with clean eyes. Amen. So this is the second service. So you should be awake. <laughs> Although the theme is awaken, I guess you chose on purpose this time. Um, I feel like helping the man to be um, in a good shape towards the women because the women had a great time, had a lovely conference, amazing what happened. We were allowed in which was at points, at some moments, it was awkward. Guys, true or not true? There were two guys who were completely so secure of themselves that they showed up in a way. But I walked in with only women around and I felt like a pig on a Jewish wedding. I thought, I feel like an unclean animal between all this glory and, and all this well-smelling. And But it was amazing how the Lord took care of his daughters. Now, I'm a dad, I have two girls, so I can feel a bit with that, how you can look as a dad at your, at your daughters. And it was also how uh, Dylan ended up with his daughter, showing, girls, this is how your daddy in heaven looks at you, how he feels for you, what he wants for you. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, but then the women having a great time coming home to the boys. So I want to help the boys how to come on the journey. And... Uh, also be blessed in a way that, that it does us all well. And beside that, it's good what, what we're going to touch on for everyone. Everyone needs it, maybe in your future, but it's just great. We're going to talk about the love, which I also did in the first uh, part. And there's one thing I want to repeat, because people might not watch back the first one. There's something special going on in this church. Many churches around COVID or after COVID went backwards including my own. But this church actually went forward. It's going up. And there, is, there, is, there are reasons for that. And the first reason is how the leadership is leading. You know, they, don't, they don't walk around like, this is my church, I'm the pastor. <laughs> oh, I'm the senior pastor. It's like a letter of... Uh, it is there. It, it, but... First comes family. They, they know themselves first son and daughter of God Most High. Yes. Then they form family, and that's like the their foundation. And from there, there's giftings and ministries. But it has such a healthy underground. And uh, that creates an open heaven. And then the other thing is that they're willing to look at Israel and the Jews to get them saved as well. Now, that might sound to you like, where are we going? What the? Then you need to listen to first service. <laughs> um, Paul says to the Corinthians, 
listen guys, I know you're doing great in all your giftings and uh, there's people like great in speaking in tongues and then there's guys with all prophecies and then some are in teaching and he says, but you need to realize of all of that stuff, there's only three things which will remain. There will be a time that all these tongues are not needed anymore, prophecies are not needed anymore. In other words, the giftings and the ministry will not be needed anymore. So it cannot be the most important. He says there's three things which remain, which are faith, hope, and love, of which love is the greatest, is the most. Only nowadays that word love, or what is love, gets a bit blurry. So I want to look at, again at it. And actually the, the explanation of love is built up through the Bible. But we're going we're gonna to go a bit further now in the Bible. The first service we were a bit earlier in the Bible. And now we're going to go a bit further to a letter of the Apostle John, who was actually the, the Apostle of love. He was the Apostle who called himself the, the, the disciple whom Jesus loves. And that was actually because he was resting at the bosom of Jesus. And in Jesus, he heard Father's heart. And it made him this disciple who realized he was loved. And then he's writing in his letter, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. How the Bible say punishment. Fear involves punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And for the longest time I thought, feeling how I feel, knowing how I look at other people, <gasps> I'm not being made perfect in love. <sighs> so I asked the Lord, can you tell me what that perfect love is and how do I get it and how, how, so that's what it will be about. So the topic is love, but even more, how to be transformed by love. You want to be transformed into the image of Christ? That means being transformed by love and how does it work? Just to make sure, you might wonder, yeah, perfect love. Does it even exist? Well, the verse before says, love has been perfected among us. Is it there? So it's not the question, does perfect love exist? The question is more, did we become one with it? Love has been perfected among us. And that perfect love will drive out fear. Will, you know that the word drive out, cast out, is the same what's used when Jesus cast out devils. So fear can be a quite rooted, nasty thing in our lives. Fear is like a spirit which can really be strong in us. And it can be fear of, of everything. Now there is good fear. So if you see a socket, you think, shall I stick my fingers in, yes or no? And there comes a certain fear. It's like a helpful fear, yeah? <laughs> but all kind of fear which involves our past or future and will we be able, can I, and then mostly towards God, will I qualify for God, for me to take care of or be with me or help me with anything, that kind of fear, that's actually a fear God doesn't want. He says, and perfect love casts out that fear. And if you're still struggling with fear, the problem is you've not been made perfect in love. But don't worry, because you can just say, God, make me perfect in love. And let scripture help you today. Let the spirit of God work in you. 
Now it says love has been perfected among us in this. How is love perfected among us? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the future world. In heaven, in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. What do you mean as Jesus is? Well, if you look at the whole context, you know, there's all kind of teachings out there and they're all good. You, one of my, my, my spiritual teachers, Pastor Princess, is Jesus sick in heaven? No, neither are you in this world. And many, many ladies have taken that verse when they have had, there are many testimonies about ladies who got breast cancer. And one took that word and started proclaiming that. Having the report of the doctor writing out, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. And it works. And then other lady hearing that, suffering the same, saying, oh, I'm also going to do that. But the greater thing in that, the most important, you know, is the context. Jesus is son of God. You are here, sons and daughters of God. This way love is perfected among us. As Jesus is son of God, can Jesus be thrown out of heaven? No, he's a son, he's family. Can you be disconnected? No, because as Jesus is, so are you in this world. That's what, so we have, we struggle. We, we have all ideas about love, but we don't realize what makes perfect love perfect. <laughs> so what is, what is, what makes love perfect love? It's actually that God gave you a position and identity which cannot be shaken. You're a child of God. He put you in Christ to make you child, son of God, daughter of God, unshakable. And then the verse before that, so we're doing a bit backtracking because we often don't read carefully. And then we think, oh, perfect love, shoot out, cast, all, cast out all fear, and here I am full of fear. Oh, I'm not perfect in love. <laughs> so when we backtrack, we do the verse before, and it says... And we have known and believed the love God has for us. God so loved the world. Favorite Bible verse of half of the people. The other one is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But we have known and believed. So it's important today that you know the perfect love. And believe it. Can you believe it that how God saved you? When he sent his son to pay for you, that that payment and the quality of the salvation is so good that you're really child of God now. You're known by your father in heaven. He loves you. And then we get all the but, 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 but. You don't know what I all did. You don't know what all did. Yeah, but the love is greater. It's taken care of. But we think, yeah, but you don't know what I have done. Yeah, let's look at that. We've known and believed the Lord God has for God is love, and who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now that John was quite a quite a guy. You know that the disciples all got in trouble, even after Jesus went away. They all got in trouble for what they believed. Because they believed in Jesus and they believed in the perfect love. Shall we look at the statement about love from John? Which we think and we read, we think Oh, cool. 
Let's look at verse 10. Same chapter. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We need this up, guys. Verse 10. This is absolutely incredible. 1 John 4.10. And this is love. Not that we loved God. Let me question, a question, little question. Does anyone know here the Ten Commandments? Thou shall, thou shall not. What's the first one? Thou shall love the Lord your God. They shall have no other gods, you know, the whole thing. But the key is, you shall love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind. And what does John say? First ten. This is love. I almost don't dare to say it because you'll be like, whoa, what is she saying now? No, it's not me saying, it's John saying. Not that we love God. You know, they knew the law was taken out. Now, let me make it very simple. Uh, for the ladies, the ladies will immediately understand. If I go to my wife and I say, why didn't you put out the garbage? Say to Cody. I hear here and there she'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> the law is quite killing. Is that love? Why didn't you? You should. You know it? Why didn't you? You should. That's actually what the law does towards us. Thou shall, thou shall not. Why we fail all that. That's why love was made perfect. And love is not that we love God, but that he love us. So we often don't realize that the law is taken out. The law was only given, Paul says, in chapter 3. We did that in February. Look in the, in, the, in the history of Link. The law was given that everyone stands guilty before God and every mouth is shut. The law is put in our face and everyone who says, I can do that. Oh, really? <laughs> Look again. <laughs> Until everyone... Realize, man, I'm lost. No one can do this. I need a savior. And then you can open up to Jesus and realize, I cannot love God, but what I can receive is that he loved me. And how did he love me? He loved me so deeply that he sent the salvation who did everything for me. So the love is not limited to anything. The love became perfect. So you're perfectly saved. You're perfectly okay. We often offer so struggle not living in the rest because we don't realize we're perfectly saved. And the requirements are not on us. God says, let the requirements be on me. Let me be your father, you be the child. Mate, sounds like a plan. <laughs> but we have problems believing it. Because religion and our flesh says, but we should, we should, we should, we should, we should. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? It's all the law says, thou shalt. And how loving, how loving is it if, if I say to my wife, you should have. You should have. Or I say, let me take care of it. That's what made perfect love perfect. Not that it's on us, but that it's on God. Could we say then that it's perfect love? And we've known and believed that love and then that love can cast out all fear 
Will I qualify before God? The question is, does Jesus qualify before God? Yes, so am I in this world. <laughs> it's amazing. It is absolutely mind-blowing how deep the love of God goes and how we're saved. And what's the requirements? God says, just be family. Can you just be my child? Yeah, but I need for you. Need to this, need that. Should worship. How should we worship? One arm up, two arms up. I always say with warm weather, we have a problem, warm weather. <sighs> God says, stop worrying. I've got it all covered. Love is not that you love God, but that he loves you. And let, that, let your let become saturated with that love, which is perfect love, and it will drive out all your fears. You cannot fail anymore. We sing, he won't fail. We can change the song. He can't fail. He can't, he can't, it's impossible. It's a perfect salvation. It's a perfect love. We just need to get to know it and believe it. That's up to us. <laughs> now, when we get practical about that, we, we backtrack a bit further to the Corinthians letter again, where, where Paul says, listen, guys, there's only three things of which love is the most. He starts that, that chapter, it's 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have the love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains. My goodness, we immediately sign up for that. Can I have the tongues of angels? Hallelujah. Oh, man, a lot of stuff will start to work supernaturally if you have that. Or prophecies. Man, that you can see the future. Well, that's great. Oh, shouldn't we all have faith that move mountains? Yeah, yeah, it's all nice. But Paul says, <laughs> if I do not have love, I am nothing. I have nothing, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, man, I can suffer for Christ. He says, but if you do not have the love, what does he say the third time? I gain nothing. So I have nothing, I am nothing, I gain nothing with all the stuff we consider so important. Whoa. And then he goes on. Love is patient, love is kind, and now wait a second. Who, 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 who got married here with this Bible verse? It's like they, they freaking do it all over the whole world. But <laughs> and the, the problem is, you know what we were reading? If you do not have the love, but you know what we hear subconsciously? If I don't produce the love. Well, it says, if you do not have the love, which we know now love is not that I love God, but that he loves me. So when we go into the line, love is patient. You shouldn't conclude, man, I need to be more patient. Man, Cody is done. She honestly confessed here, I have no patience. <laughs> I was not allowed to mock her. She, she even gave instruction to Nande to get me off the stage if I dare to make fun of her. Love is patient, love is kind. And if we apply the rule from John, 
Is that a love you have or a love God gives you? Love is patient. Love is kind. And I'm allowed to have it. I'm allowed to have it. It's Christ's love for us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Hello? The love which is being made perfect, which God has for you, doesn't keep records of wrongs. Listen to the first service as far as... But this is Christ's love in us for us. You can have this love by realizing this is God's love for me. God is patient with me. God is kind for me. He doesn't give a, re a record of my wrongs. The whole list is beautiful. But it's not that we all went into our marriages. Yes, we're going to have a marriage for God. You know, and they were all in love and it all was rosy and all nice. And then the Monday morning hits. Oh, I really have to watch what I say from here. <laughs> It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You realize by now you cannot produce that. What's made the perfect love perfect that God says, let me provide all of that. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. That's what makes perfect love perfect. It cannot fail. God's love for you cannot fail. It never fails. You are ultimately perfectly saved as a child of God, as a daughter of God, as a son of God. You've been put in Christ. Christ is in you. Christ is around you. Your heavenly father has embraced you. He will never let you go. The people will get baptized later on. You know what it says in the Greek? When you just become a believer, it says, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we often add in Jesus' name because we think, how do you stop this? <laughs> but if we look... <laughs> needs to be appropriate you know everyone watching like what are we doing but you know what it says in the greek i baptize you into into the name of the father the son and the holy spirit you become part of the family you believe in jesus no, immediately we baptize you into the family name you become part of the family but what's supposed to stay behind in the water is the old you and now I come to the part of helping us how to live this love and how to be transformed in love. Because if you look in the Ephesians letter, where is the width, the length, the height, and the depth of the love, which is amazing when you look into it. But the, the whole book starts with grace, the grace of God, the abundance of grace of God, the love of God. It's, it's unlimited, and it's all available, and it's all for you. And then chapter 1 ends with... Christ is the head of the church. He's the head, not the pastor. 
Jesus is the head of the church. But you know what speaks about in between? The resurrection power. I pray that you see what your inheritance in the saint, the same power which rose Jesus from the dead is in you. He made a nice song of it. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. And I'm looking on Monday, where is it? Where is it? We sing it, we sing it, but where is the power? <laughs> but Paul gives a secret away in the Galatians letter, which, but it's applied to all letters. But there he says, with Christ I died, that's your baptism. With Christ I died, yet I live, but it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me, which is that resurrection power. And there it often goes wrong. And, and not many preachers preach it, and I'm going to be very vulnerable, because it exposes you when you start to preach about that. If you say, with Christ I died, yet I live, it's no longer I, you know what it says in the Greek, I, it's no longer I, ego. It's no longer my ego who lives, but Christ lives in me. I is ego. And then I thought ego was always only the cocky, arrogant me, which I recognize. And if I don't recognize, my wife recognizes and will remind me of it. <laughs> but your old identity has, has its roots in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it's like a double identity. It's good and evil. It's not only the arrogant, cocky guy. It's also the fearful boy in me. And for instance, in my leadership as a senior pastor, I had a team, and I was always fear when I would be saying this, oh, then that one is upset, or that one walks away. And then the fearful boy in me is afraid, will they like me as a leader? You know what the whole problem with that is? Your spiritual system is supposed to have Jesus behind the wheel, you could say. And your old me, the I, actually needs to be on the back seat. The flesh is always there, but it's supposed to be left behind. But the problem is, if you don't recognize your ego, it'll jump behind the wheel. <laughs> we can do this. I can do this. I am going to do this. <laughs> what? Who's not with me? You said the way wrong. I was talking to my wife. <laughs> so I want to teach you today. So, so there's, there's in so many ways, it, it's become so sophisticated. So I'm a, I'm a guy who is very high on responsibility and I'm very considerate toward people. And it sounds brilliant. Great responsibility. So one day I was talking to a friend and I was angry. I was angry. He said, tell me what's going on. I said, yeah, and these guys in my team, and they promise to do that, and they promise to do that, and they behave irresponsible. And they, don't, they, they call themselves pastors, and I'm the senior pastor. <laughs> and then they don't treat the people well, and it's, it's irresponsible, it's not considerate, and, and I'm angry. And my friend said, you know, I think you're right. He said, but why are you so angry? You think Christ in you is angry? I said, no. He says, this is your ego speaking. He said, you made your level of responsibility and your level of consideration you put as a law on others. And when they break your level, you are offended. 
because these pastors speak on your behalf and the people will end up looking at you. Are you the leader of that bunch of? It's the ego. Ego. And uh, I'm not saying stuff that does not need to be dealt with, but can be done in love. And now we go a bit closer to home. What in marriage? How does your spouse make you feel? And how do you go into the tough conversations? Most of the time, it's our ego who leads the speech. And none they served us guys by helping the women how to use your speech, how to talk, how to speak. And I'm going to help us boys how to approach our women. You know, it shows up in your feelings. So the angry guy in you, the insecure boy, the all of these personalities, which just have their roots in the knowledge of good and evil, then they form thoughts. And you know, it sounds also good and holy. So I can get angry with my wife when she spends too much money. Anyone? <laughs> Did you, you, you feel like I'm the only one who keeps an eye on the budget. <laughs> you know, and I have two daughters. And then now I have my mom living with me. So it's all women. And they all arouse one another. Oh, that looks so good. Oh, that shoe, that bag, that this, that, that. And I'm the guy over the budget. <laughs> then I needed, needed to make a move in ministry where I would let go of my wage. So we go in faith now. And I'm hesitating and I'm actually full of fear. So I come to the Lord. He says, you fear for income, huh? I say, yes, Lord, you know, when I was just on my own, when it was just me, I make these steps in faith. But now I have responsibilities. <laughs> Because now I have a mortgage, and even more important, of course, I should say first, I have a family and I have a mortgage, and I have women shopping. <laughs> <laughs> so the Lord said to me, what a great excuse. Great excuse? He says, yes. He says, think it through. You know what I was thinking? I have a ministry. But now I, I go in a new way and then I let go of wage and then, but I'm still saying, yeah, but I'm called by God. I have a ministry. But what if the provision doesn't show up? What will I look like? What will the people say of me if my ministry doesn't or the, the provision didn't come to pass? And I've been saying it's God. Let's get so quiet here. This is all the I, this is all the ego, and the Christian churches, Christianity is actually most of it full of ego. But it starts in our homes. All the reasons we think of guys, what we should be for our family, or what we should do and shouldn't done, we just justify our nonsense behavior, which is not the love of Christ through us. And I'm the first one, eh? I'm just revealing it, I failed at all of this. If I look back why I had to step down as a senior pastor, why I got into a burnout, why I only after all this crap start to take my marriage serious. Till that time I was a minister of God and I'm obeying God and if you don't follow me woman, what you're called to. <laughs> but I will obey God. It's all ego. Ego, 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 ego. <laughs> so what I learned is whenever there's a situation and whenever a conversation comes up and I feel it coming up in me, that those urges to take care of self, 
the fears, the, the emotions, with the thought life who justify it all. I learned this. Can I have the chairs, guys? Sorry, sorry if I make you stand, boys. Thanks. Can I have a hand for Dubsy? We're in line with the Marvel comments. We're wondering who he is. This is from the first service. We thought there's a spiritual Marvel going on here. He thinks he's Wolverine. He has hairy legs. So what I learned, if I have a tough conversation with anyone, but it starts actually in my marriage, when I have feelings towards Cody, but also girls, you can also apply that, it's not forbidden. I'm not just smacking the boys that you think, oh, you see, we are well. <laughs> so I sit down and first I think, love is patient. Man, God is patient with me. Before I go into a conversation, this is how you be transformed by love. Love is patient. Oh, God, I'm so impatient with people, but praise God, you are, you are patient with me. Because I know I should be patient, but I'm not. But love is patient. God is patient with me. Wow. Love is kind. Man, I can hate myself in some of the behaviors and all the excuses and when I realize. But love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it doesn't dishonor others. Oh, in my speech, I'm so easily, especially when it's people I'm working with or I'm even put over, I dishonor others. How I speak about others, how I speak about other churches, other pastors. But love doesn't dishonor, wow. It's not self-seeking. Ah, oh, I don't feel like what I'm supposed to do in the house to help my wife. It's not self-seeking. The love is not self-seeking. It's willing to give. It's willing to go the extra mile. Wow, Lord, are you like that towards me? Well, I receive. Thank you that what you are towards me. And I even do this, you know, when, when you go into a conversation with someone that you think, am I going to tell you now for the so many time the same thing? Love doesn't keep records of wrongs. Wow, as if I don't have wrongs. If I don't have to come back to God for the same thing like a thousand times. But love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Wow. Wow. And you know what I do then? Because I see Jesus across me and I receive it from him. I receive it from him. It's just meditation. Huh? You, it's okay to put chairs, but you can also do it just on your inside. I just make the picture to make you realize. Then I sit in Christ and I say... Actually, this is my identity. I am one with Christ. I am one with his love. Wow. And I look at the boy struggling, my old me, and I say, let go, boy. Just let go. Let go. Grace, grace, grace. Grace over you. Grace over your feelings. Just let go. You know what you do now? You disidentify from your ego, because as, as real as your ego feels, it's not the new you. The new you is Christ in you. The new you is one with Christ. If you start practicing this, you're being transformed in the love. 
And even in this process, the perfect love cast out all fear. Will my wife accept it when I come with a certain tough things which need to be discussed? It's just the old me being afraid. As if I'm not God's child. As if he's not with me. As if his love is not perfect for me. As if I'm not his heir. Won't he send me alone into tough situations like this? No. He is with me. All the time. Always. For I'm his child. And most of the time when I preach this stuff, everyone, well, you know what's the buzzing words afterward? Ego. 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 Oh, that ego thing. It's a real thing. Huh? We all have it. But you know what's more important? The solution for ego is not talking a lot about ego. Yes, go in the process, but let there be an increasing awareness of sonship. This is your identity. You're one with Christ. You are kind. The new you is kind. The new you is patient. It's this old one who says, I should be more paid. There you have the law. I should, I should not, I should, I should not. It doesn't work. Here it is. I receive. And he requires not. And this is how we can do life. How Christ in us becomes stronger, including that resurrection power. And now the grace and the love flows. And Christ can become the head of my marriage. No longer my ego is in the way. The resurrection power is not just with the resurrection power. Of course, we think immediately, power, power. All demons out, all disease. Yes, 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 yes. But it's first the power of love. Power of healthy heart, healthy soul, healthy relationship. The power, the resurrection power. And what it does if we, if we put ego in the backseat and we actually move according to sonship, one with Christ. It makes Christ the head of my life. Makes him the head of my marriage. The head of my father. I so can so struggle with my kids, especially now they're teenagers. How do I do this? But I'm not doing that alone. And I'm a son of God and he provides me wisdom as a dad, how to do it with the, with the girls, which are completely different. And now I've only have two. Then you see people with more kids. How do you want to do that? Because you're a child of God. He has all for us. Love has been made perfect. Let the perfect love and you knowing yourself as Christ in this world, know it, believe it, and let it drive out all fears. Because that's what your heavens, Dad, want for you.